0: And I'll start this morning just with something of of a story. Um, You know, it's Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, Peter, James, and John go up the mountain. They encounter there the Lord Jesus transfigured. That encounter word might ring a bell for you because three weeks ago, last time we met, encounter was the focus. Uh, We looked with Isaiah in the temple as the hem of God's robes came down and filled the temple. And he was undone. He was aware of his sin. He was, by God's grace, put back together as the living coal touched his lips, brought with tongues by the seraph. And then, after he was undone and put back together, he was sent out into the world to participate in God's mission. Uh, encounter was sort of the first in a series of sermons that we're now starting. This is the second sermon that have to do with some of the foundational elements of what it means to be in relationship with God and walk the life of faith, and to be a Christian. And we want to look at these foundational elements because we live in a world that swirls and that seems a bit out of control in many different ways at present. And so we want to ground ourselves in these foundational elements of our faith so that we can be and become who God has made us to be and to become and to not lose sight of the most important things. So we looked at encounter last time. Uh, Peter, James, and John encountered the Lord. What were they? They were undone, and then they were put back together, and then God led them down the mountain and sent them. Same thing with Moses at the burning bush. Same thing with Paul on the road to Damascus. Same thing with John on the Isle of Patmos. Same thing with you and I as God meets us. Uh, A right response to this kind of encounter um, elicits in us faith. Say, what comes of it? Faith comes of encounter with the living God. And so that's our sort of focus this morning. We're going to talk about faith. And you may say, well, that ought to be an easy sermon for Michael. I mean, faith is kind of what we're talking about here, isn't it? But I got to tell you something. Two weeks ago now, it was Thursday afternoon, and I was just, I was struggling. The hardest sermons are where there's so much, you can't narrow it down. It's hard to hone in and to really hear. Okay, what is what is it that the Lord is wanting us to hear this week? And so, uh, a little frustrated with how far I was had had gotten with faith at this point, I just kind of said, "I'm taking a break," and I stood up and. Got my phone, said, I'm going to call T. Gatewood, my friend, the pastor at Arbordale Presbyterian, seven miles over Hickory Net Gap Road. I hadn't talked to him in a week, and we usually talk every week. So picked up the phone, I <clears throat> dialed T.'s number, and T. answered, as he often does, Michael, 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 Michael. <laughs> I said, hey, T., how are you? Of course you'd feel better after talking to T. like that, wouldn't you? Uh, he said, I'm doing good. How are you? I said, I'm fine, but I'm just kind of stuck with my sermon this week. He said, okay, what are you preaching on? I said, well, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I encountered last week, faith this week. He said, what did you say again? I said, Hebrews chapter chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He said, you got to be kidding. That's what I'm preaching on this week. Out of all the passages in the Bible, T was preaching on the same one as I was. I was struggling and I'm just taking a break, and here I have a conversation with my friend. He asked me some good questions that helped me kind of hone in a little bit, and I'll tell you more about that conversation in a moment. But it was kind of like, I mean, I wonder if God got a chuckle out of that, but looking at Michael, oh, you of little faith. As you preach on faith, here's a little encouragement in your faith that I'm living and active and on the move. So as we think about faith this morning, the response to encounter, Want you to listen carefully. Listen well to Hebrews chapter twelve, verses one and two. This too is the word of the, of the Lord. Therefore, let us cast aside every weight, and sin which clings so closely. And run with endurance the race which is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy which was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I'll let you hear that one more time. Um, Therefore, let us cast aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race which is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy which was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God we work our way in this morning three kind of big sections uh, first as we think about faith it's something that i believe we're going we all have to be able to say that at some point i believe and yet it is also something that we be, we believe he is the author and perfecter of our faith i believe and we believe but the most important of those two is neither of those two the most essential thing is christ Christ's faith, Christ's belief, Christ who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So first, um, I believe. You know, at some point in time in our lives, we, we each must be able to say, I believe. We don't say, like, my mom believes, my dad believes, my grandparents believe, my teacher believes, my friends at school believe, the, the people at church around me believe at some point or another, we have to say, I believe. You're going to have to say that. I believe. And when I consider the moments when I say that most often, I believe. It's actually here. <laughs> With all of you, so already we're moving to we believe, but I believe, when I say that most often, I'm saying the words of the apostles creed right that's how it starts i believe Um, it's this ecumenical confession of faith confessed across times and places and cultures denominations i believe is what we say but even in this it is not so much the most important thing is not what i believe even in the first sentence we say i believe in that preposition is already moving us away from ourselves i believe in god That's the most important one. God. I believe in God, the Father, maker of heaven and earth, the Son, and in His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the Holy Spirit. You'll notice the creed itself follows a pattern that names the triune persons who constitute the one God of heaven and earth. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we confess. That's what I confess. And even when we confess God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it comes to us in the form of a story. Because the creed is a summary of everything that is. It's a summary of the scriptures, the history of the world, the future of all. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the creator of all that is. You and me and the mountains and the trees, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, so Jesus is divine, born of the Virgin Mary, He is also human. That's who I confess. God the Father, Maker, God the Son, who is fully God, fully man among us. And here's the part we're not expecting. I believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was... Conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. The God who made all things entered into the midst of his creation and suffered with us. Under Pontius Pilate was crucified and dead and buried. And then on the third day rose again and ascended into heaven, and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. I believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and in God the Holy Spirit. As we confess the Holy Spirit, we also confess the the Holy Catholic Church because the Holy Spirit is the one who binds us together to Christ and make us part of Christ's body. The one who is sent into our hearts so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, because we have been adopted through the Son in the Spirit into the Father's heart. The Holy Spirit is the one who binds us together as the Holy Catholic Church, the Holy Universal Church. There's some of the we believe stuff, isn't it? Believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the fellowship or the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. The Holy Spirit is the one who applies all of what Christ has done to us so that His life is effective in our own. I believe. When I say I believe, that's what I'm saying. I believe. And even as we say I believe, we recognize the importance that we believe. Even as I confess the creed, it's something that has come to me. It's not something I invented or through my own singular encounter with the living God have now come up with on my own. No, we, we believe and we are drawn into a tradition of all those that God is gathering together. We believe. And so um, if you want some context for this, maybe look at the first word in our passage today, therefore. Anytime the Bible says, therefore, what do you do? You got to see what came before it because it was important. All of chapter 11 in Hebrews is this long, long list. They call it the honor roll of faith sometimes that goes from creation um, all the way through God's family saying, by faith, so-and-so accomplished this. By faith, so-and-so responded to God's word in this way, by faith. You know, Abel offered up a sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken up into heaven. By faith, Abraham followed God to this land that he had set aside for an inheritance for him. By faith, Moses and the people left Egypt. By faith, faith over and over and over. It's not just I believe, but it's we believe you're drawn into a faith that is larger than you. Therefore, says the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, And you know, we can extend that uh, even beyond Hebrews 11 to the faith of those seated in this room or gathered online or uh, gathered in the parking lot at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. I'm encouraged by your faith. When you show up here in whatever form or fashion, I'm encouraged by your faith. Who wasn't encouraged a couple weeks ago when we heard Enos story? of the way that God had encountered her. She said, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And she said, you messed up on one part. I wasn't going from the living room to the kitchen. It was vice versa. Which way was it? Kitchen to the living room? Living room to the kitchen, yeah. And so as she was going with this plate of food, she heard God say to her, Ina, do you not trust me? And she said, I do. And weren't you encouraged by that? What was she saying? I believe. And that sharpens and um, encourages our belief, doesn't it? When we hear of the ways that God's at work in our lives. Maybe even hearing about a, a preacher struggling to preach on faith of all things and God giving him a little help with that. Maybe that's encouraging to you. We, we believe. I think of Dot Potter. One of my last conversations, with I guess my last conversation with her, several weeks ago, walked in and she said, Michael, how is our church? She's actively dying of COVID and that was her question. At the end of your life, what are you going to ask about? What are you going to be interested in? Our faith binds us together, doesn't it? I believe. We believe. The most important thing is Christ. Christ who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. I was trying to think about how to, you know, this word author can be described different ways. Founder, uh, the sense of of initiator or beginner. Um, Christ is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. I don't think this one doesn't have the Alpha and Omega on it, I don't think. Um, but he's the beginning and the end. He's, he's the, I like this word author because I've been reading um, The Lord of the Rings again. Anybody familiar with that, right? Uh, I'm on the first one, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, written by J.R.R. R. Tolkien. This story of Frodo the Hobbit. Maybe you've seen the movie or read the book or something. Uh, who takes this ring of power with on this great epic journey to destroy it by throwing it into the... Uh, flames uh, there at Mordor trying to defeat this evil lord Sauron. And it begins with the fellowship of the ring. And the fellowship is sort of a picture of the church, actually, in a way. Um, and so as I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm also listening to a couple things uh, on it. And one of the folks I was listening to said, hey, could you imagine uh, if Tolkien actually showed up In Middle Earth with Frodo and Sam and Aragorn and Gandalf and all these characters, what they would have thought. The what if the author showed up? Now, what there is this important, and I think the author is helpful here in part because when Tolkien was coming up with Middle Earth in this great story, he didn't begin with the characters of the story. He began by writing languages. He he, He made up a bunch of languages. Which is an odd way to begin a novel, isn't it? Um, but he was a Christian, and he knew that the creation began how? With a Word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Lord said, let there be light. Creation begins with a spoken word. And so he said, I'm going to, as a made in the image of God, as someone who has the capacity of sub-creation, we're creative beings because we're made in God's image, I'm going to create in a similar way. And so he makes up a language, and then the landscape begins to take shape and the history of the different cities and the genealogy of all the families it is such a remarkable world that you're drawn into it feels really ancient when you read the lord of the rings kind of like when you step into the pages of the bible and become part of the fellowship of the church you're joined in our faith to something ancient with deep roots and so the the person I was listening to said, could you imagine, what if the author actually appeared in Middle Earth to the characters? Would they have seen sort of an, an older fellow who looked pretty normal, but they were strangely drawn to him because he knew all the words that they spoke and he knew all the things that they had done and he knew all the places and the history of them and he knew all the songs that they sang. And He knew somehow how things fit together. And that, that of course, is exactly what we say. When we say, I believe and we believe, that's what we confess. That the eternal Word of the Father entered into the creation that had been made through Him and for Him. And He walked among us. And there was nothing at first blush that seemed particularly special or unusual about him but people were drawn to him and we know why he's the author of their lives and they come to hear what he has to say because he knows how things fit together he knows the words to speak that draws people in the words that he speak are the words of the truth and the life that he lives seems to move in the world in a way that both upsets the world, but also makes sense of it all. And so he touches people and they're healed. And he speaks to the wind and the waves, peace be still with a word. And they are still. Jesus is the author who has entered into the story. He's the author and also the perfecter. I'm going to tell you, we'll talk about that in a second, but first I want to bring you back to a really good question that T asked me. So, Michael, when I'm struggling with a sermon, often um, I'll say, I'll ask myself, what is hardest about this passage for me, like in my life? What's the hardest part? I said, well, that's a really good question. Um, I don't have trouble with I believe. I do believe. That's not the hard part for me. Or even that we believe. I I know how dependent I am upon um, all those who have come before me, both in my own family, but also in our family of faith. And I know how dependent I am upon those who surround me now and how much we rely on one another in our prayers. I mean, how simple a text is to send out. But then when people start praying for you, Junior can tell you something about that. I believe, we believe, yeah. I don't have any problem with Christ as the author, even the perfecter of my faith. I know I'm totally relying upon him. I think it's the running part. Therefore, let us cast aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race which is set before us. In the last week and a half, I've run four times. I'm trying to like, actually move a little bit, get some exercise. I've run four times. Man, especially when you're starting out, I'm always looking for an excuse to stop. It is uncomfortable. It, is, it doesn't feel good. There are moments throughout the race set before me, however far I'm going to run, where I just want just to quit. I want to escape the suffering, escape the difficulty. I want it to stop. I just want peace, and so I I can retreat into myself. That's a larger theme in my life, so this is helpful. That's why I said that's the hard part for me. I'm tempted to pull back from things and not want to be bothered by things. And so it's easy for me to just not want to run or not run well. And he said, Michael... um, Yeah, that's interesting, because you know what the Greek word for for run is? I said, no, T, I didn't look up the Greek word for run this time. You just know it. Uh, He said agony. He said agony is the word for run in Greek. I was like, well, that's absolutely true. And this is where we see Christ perfecting our faith. passage tells us that as we run our race with endurance the race which is set before us which right now swirls and seems crazy and is full of suffering all around us uh, physical emotional i mean globally nationally all of these things as we run this race set before us we're called to look to jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and what we confess when we say that jesus fully god and fully man comes and enters into the creation for us, enters into our lives, enters into the race which we run, we also say that He enters fully into the agony of that race. Where do we see it? Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. We know that we can trust Him. We can have faith in this one because He took our agony upon Him. He ran the race set before us on our behalf. He entered into the ultimate agony for us And even into death, and even in His descent into hell, the place of the dead, as we say in the creed, He entered into all of that. He ran to the cross, ran to the tomb, and then He ran out the other side, opening up the kingdom of heaven to all who believe. Look to Jesus as you run your race. Look to Him. We're all tempted to look at ourselves. We can say, my faith just isn't strong, or this thing right here is what I have to lock onto and focus on in in this moment. I think a lot of people are locking on to things that probably aren't Christ at the moment. Look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's what Peter, James, and John did. They climbed the mountain. They saw Him transfigured. They looked to Jesus, and in His light, the Scriptures say, we can see even light. When you look to Him, everything else begins to make sense. When you look away, the world seems chaotic and the race is awful. Looking Him doesn't ensure the race is easy, but we can see the one who joins us in it. Look to Jesus. All you who say, I believe, all of us who say we believe, look to Jesus as you run this time, this season. Look to the author and the perfecter of your faith. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.